0: And welcome back. It is that time of year when Marcus and Karina decide to take vacations in back to back weeks. And we get guest hosts. Thankfully, you know, we've got other hubcast favorites who never take vacation. Or at least just not this week. <laughs> Stephanie Bioki is here. Hey, hey. Steph,
1: welcome back. Thank you. Always happy to come back.
0: We're uh, we're coming off of Halloween here. It's the yeah. day off after Halloween when we're recording this. We hope that you had a great orange and black Halloween. But mostly orange. <laughs> mostly orange. Uh any uh any
1: exciting like Halloween festivities for you, Steph? Oh uh last night we went and saw the original Halloween movie in theaters, which is something my friends and I've done a couple years in a row now. Super fun. Nice. Um, can always spot the people in the audience who've never seen it before, which is fun. And then uh this weekend we have we do what we call our discount Halloween candy day party, where today all the Halloween candy is now on clearance. Yes and we buy a bunch of it and eat it and watch
0: more halloween movies. That's fantastic. I um I didn't do anything crazy for halloween but I am this weekend, which is why we're recording this episode early, going to Disney and <gasps> we're getting there what? Just, yeah, we're getting there just in time for Halloween Horror Nights. Oh my gosh, I'm so jealous. Have so much fun, post so many pictures. (laughs) So we're going to the last night of it, and I figure, you know, I haven't done a lot of of Halloween, like, horror house things, haunted house things, uh, recently, like, since I was, like, in high school. So I'm thinking that it's either going to be the best thing in the world, people rave about this thing. Or it's gonna ruin my entire vacation. But all <laughs> no, I you think is <laughs> I think it'll be great. Yeah. I'm super excited. Oh it's God, uh, yay. yeah. I feel like once Halloween hits, like it's like the year, it's just holidays from here on yes. out. Yeah. And people are in a good mood. People are taking time off. It's good times. We're excited to
1: be there's here. lots of good food. I, I look forward to the food. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That wintertime food. <laughs> Yeah, Yeah, it's already snowing here in Chicago. I'm already like eating soup every day. Oh man, brutal.
0: (laughs) I am really excited for this week's certified dope segment because it is service hub edition. Woo, service hub. Yes, I've seen people, a lot of people starting to use service hub, getting excited about it. But I'm excited today to share what Kevin Giuliano and his team from the Pennsylvania Association of Realtors are doing with the service hub because uh, they, they basically started on HubSpot for the service hub, which is kind of a unique thing that people are starting to do. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk through what they did and why I think Kevin and his team are indeed certified dope. So Kevin's the digital director at the Pennsylvania Association of Realtors. I will call them PAR for the rest of this. Um, they're really cool HubSpot use case because actually in the state of Pennsylvania, in order to be licen- a licensed realtor, you have to be a member of PAR, which means they don't need help with or you know, to use HubSpot for things like lead gen, member recruitment, member retention, like many associations who use HubSpot are using it for. Um, so that's like just a totally unique piece of this. Um, but what Kevin and his team do and did spend a lot of time managing and dealing with was their member support process. So their members, you know, use them for all kinds of different uh, services and help with different things. And so they have a support team that calls it or that they can call into and, you know, ask whatever questions that they have. And previously, they pretty much just had a phone line. And they had a support team that would man the phone line. Members could call in with any literally any issue they had whether it was website whether if it was a real estate form they were trying to fill out anything um but they weren't tracking it in any way like they had no visibility other than like anecdotal like hey what types of calls are you getting all you know all year um support reps weren't tracking you know how many calls they were getting nor like anything that was happening after the fact like there was just just nothing. It's like, we answer phones and that's what we do. So Kevin decided to go all in on the service hub. They went enterprise and without getting too into too many of the nitty gritty details, and he will tell you they're, they're still building this out. They're still building out automation and, and how they're going to use all of this. But what they initially set up is they connected their phone system to the service hub just via Zapier. And it creates a ticket after each phone call, and then the team fills in a few details about the call um, and then can respond, you know, can call back or respond via email in HubSpot and log all of that within HubSpot, get their question answered, close the ticket. They're also tracking tickets for their legal support, so they have attorneys that work with them, that work with members, And attorneys have their own set of properties with different option sets available for each, depending on what somebody is looking for help with, and even like where that person is coming from, like what local association they're with, all that good stuff. So for example, they have standard forms for different real estate transactions that realtors have to fill out, like a bunch of them. So now they can track how many calls are related to each specific form and they can see if there are consistent issues from a large number of members or if it's a lot of unique circumstances leading to those questions allowing them to go that back and optimize and improve those forms and create better forms going forward. The coolest thing about this for me is he said in less than 4 months after going live they've already closed over 2500 tickets. So they've got a ton of data in there about all of their tickets. And I went and creeped on some of their service dashboards. And it's amazing to see all of the reports that they've set up to be able to just break out their data on all of their tickets, on all of their support reps, on all of the attorneys, like everything. They can basically get really down into the nitty gritty not just looking at the types of tickets closed, um, the issues, the forms, the reps, but also things like which reps are fastest to reply or to close tickets. Like they're getting it all, even just from like that simple act of getting their really like legacy phone system connected via Zapier and starting to track that stuff. That is certified dope.
1: Man, that is certified dope. That is so cool. And God, they have so much opportunity from this data moving forward. Wow. I just completely geeked out when I yeah, was looking at the awesome. reports
0: because it was, it was just like the data was so good. The it was like such actionable stuff. Yeah. Where you could literally say, Oh my gosh, we have such a disproportionate number of tickets coming in from this local association. And so we really need to figure out what's going on there and spend some time like educating. Or making sure that their website has information on it, like yeah, so much opportunity. You know, it'd be
1: so interesting too. I know uh, Kevin mentioned there's more automation to come in this as well. If they eventually set up an automatic NPS t- uh, email that went out to the person via email after the phone call ended, he you can see working which. Working on that. Ah, You mentioned working on the surveys. You yeah. Can see which reps are rated highest with service. Oh, I love it.
0: Yeah, Kevin, awesome job. Love what you guys are doing over there, man. That stuff gets me fired up. I love it. So good. I got something that's on my mind, Steph. What's what's on your mind, Karina? I have kind of been just chewing on, I would say, what's the line between not enough and too much automation?
1: Such a good question.
0: In like both marketing and sales and and. You know, customer service, everything in the flywheel. Let's in the fly, say is
1: everything in the flywheel.
0: You know, it's it's why we're all here, right? We're using HubSpot, and most of the time, we're using it because of the automation things that we can use it for. But like when does it does having too much automation start to become a detriment both to our internal processes and? To our customers and their experience with yeah. us, yeah, yeah let me let me give you a specific example. so the reason that this is on my mind is because um, I got to work on a fun little project for impact recently um, helping to build out some of like our BDR type process. so somebody fills out a contact form, they say they're interested in working with us, we wanted to automate you know deal creation and some routing type stuff. Um, to make sure that, you know, we're saving the BDRs time, we're able to report on the things that we want to report on. Um, but there was a lot of conversations around like, oh, well, what if what if somebody says these specific things on the form, then we want to route them somewhere else, or we want to mark them as this, or we want to do this other thing with them. And, and we ended up in a, a lot of those situations coming to the conclusion like, Let's not automate that. Yeah. Because we don't want to put in so much automation that then we start having to do extra work to backtrack on that stuff when we realize, like, oh, well, yeah, they did say those things. But in reality, when we looked at everything or when we talked to that, you know, like all of those little nuances that it's really hard to build effective automation around. And so, it just it just made me start to think in like all of these different places about being a lot more careful where we're setting up automation and the things that we're automating. And I just love trying to find that balance of like automate as much as we can so that we can intentionally not automate certain yeah. things.
1: I like that. I mean, we've always said like, automation is not going to steal marketers jobs. It's going to take away the parts that humans aren't uniquely capable of doing. Like let's automate the things that can truly save us time. Not just like kind of a, just because we sh- could, doesn't mean we should. Exactly. You know?
0: exactly. Yeah. So I don't necessarily have like a conclusion <laughs> or a great answer, but what I would love to hear from you guys, our listeners is how have you experienced this? Like, have you had situations where you like set up all kinds of crazy automation and it was like, it went too far, it didn't work or, you know, the other way around where you said, we don't want to automate this um, for this, this, and this reason. And then it actually ends up costing you a lot of time and effort. We yeah. want to know, hit me up, Duffy at impactbndboynancydog.com. Let me know what your thoughts are or hit me up if you're on the HubSpot user Slack, which there's always a link to in the show notes. Um, you know where to find me. I wanna know what you think.
1: I'd be super interested to hear if anyone's like over automated and either had to edit the automation, which can be very, very hard depending on how complex it is. Or yeah, had to backtrack and say, yeah, maybe we went too far. Yeah. I'd like to, I'd like to hear that. Share those with
0: me. <laughs> yes, please do. And we will, of course, have some of our own stories too. Hmm. This week's wish list item came out of this stuff <laughs> that I was working on um, for some of the BDR automation, which is somebody submits a form and we create a workflow that says, you know, if a few different things have happened, so we do have some automation set up in this. If a few different things have happened, they're going to go to a few different places, but always with a deal getting created somewhere in our BDR pipeline. The problem is when you auto-create deals within a workflow, there's no option to include that contact's timeline activity like there is when you do it manually from a contact record. So my wish list, my wish (laughs) for today is to display deal timeline or display form submission data on deal timeline, which really... It comes down to like, I just want the contact timeline to sync if I create a deal in a workflow.
1: Yeah, that's one of those things that seems so obvious and it it's not just necessary. I mean, it adds value if there's a way to do it in one place. Seems like there should be a way to do it everywhere. I almost wonder if it's right. like, oh, we missed that
0: one. <laughs> yeah, that's that's kind of what I was thinking because the whole point of automating deal creation is to save the rep time from having to go into the contact and do stuff. Yeah. So if you're going to have to go into the contact and look at all the form submissions, like I understand that the workaround for this is like you could copy contact properties to deal properties, but like that's not, that's
1: not, I'm not cool with that. And anytime you get (laughs) into deal property workflows, it's going to get messy. But like if you can already do it in one place, Yes. no reason you shouldn't it shouldn't happen automatically here too agreed
0: so if you agree get into the show notes it's impactbnd.com slash hubcast and vote it up this is episode 249 vote it up we're about to hit 250 shoot Ooh. Ooh. we uh we got a couple couple hubspot updates here Um, The first one I know that you and I are both particularly excited about, which is attaching static lists to HubSpot campaigns. You want to walk us through this one, Steph?
1: Yeah, sure. So um, obviously, if you don't already know, static lists are those lists that are not automatically updated in HubSpot as things change, Uh, maybe on the contact record or the deal record. They're a list that's going to stay that list of people. And so... And the update, they said, online marketing is a key piece of the inbound puzzle. Big surprise. <laughs> but it's not the only place, uh, which is true. Successful marketers meet prospects and customers where they're at across all channels, online, social search, and offline, local trade shows, events. Uh, so with this update, you can now add any static list to a campaign. So you'll see your lists alongside all your other marketing assets in your campaign, And it makes it easier to track those offline efforts in context, which I just have to interject and say is amazing because how sick are you of seeing so many things bucketed into the source of offline, Mm. Uh, including targeted ABM campaigns. It'll enable additional reporting updates uh, in the coming months as well. So to add a list to your campaign, you just go on over to the HubSpot campaigns uh, or any existing campaign and you click on add assets in the upper right. And you'll see static lists as an option. And you can add up to five lists in the campaign. Um, And a list can be in multiple campaigns. So obviously, it'll take a few minutes, as lists do. But you'll see your influenced contacts and deals metrics update to reflect the contacts from your attached lists right there in your campaigns. And any closed one deal that has one of the new contacts' contacts associated with that campaign will roll up into your influenced deals and influenced revenue metrics right there.
0: Yes. So good. Yes. I mean, it's it's really like a way to manually associate contacts with a campaign.
1: Yeah. And you know, you yeah, like you said, with the deal piece, you could do it before you could find a way and you could add information that way. But I mean, to just boom, attach it right there, like you do with everything else in your campaigns. It's so good. And it's I mean, they talked about online coming from search and things. They talked about offline from events, uh, trade shows. But the first thing that came to my mind, something that a lot of marketers do is webinars. And you usually Mm. host your webinar somewhere externally. You have to export a list of attendees, people who actually attended the webinar, showed up versus just registering, which often syncs with HubSpot. And then I have this static list of attendees that I import. And I'm gonna use that right away. Yes. Yeah,
0: it's like, I thought of it initially for trade shows because I have a lot of clients where they're like, "Oh, well, can I just do a list import of all of the people that signed up at this trade show and then like tag it with a campaign?" No. No, nope. you couldn't. Nope. You had to like basically you could like enroll them in a workflow.
1: Yeah. And, and just the
0: workflow. Yeah, and like have the workflow basically do nothing.
1: <laughs> it's basically they're in it. Yeah, like you know, that is, so this w- is just much easier. <laughs> I want to create a campaign for myself and I'll have a static list of people I meet. And when I scan a business card, I'm going to add them to the static list and then I'll know how many I personally influenced. Exactly. I mean, like you could do so much with this, even if it's not
0: importing contacts, like you could yeah. just create static lists of like
1: people who've visited over 200 pages on your site.
0: Yeah. Or like people who I've ever, I've ever been the contact owner of. Yeah. That's a good one. (laughs) You know, like
1: there's so many things that you could do
0: with this stuff. Um, Especially because you could, you could have the list associated with multiple campaigns. Like, yeah, yeah. It's great. It's real good. Holy cow. Go HubSpot. Heavens have opened and we are rejoicing. (laughs) There, They came out with their um, monthly HubSpot updates in less time than a coffee break, a bunch of which are ones that we've talked about on previous episodes, um, but there was a couple in there that didn't come out as updates in the feed that I thought were GEMs. Um, you can watch the full video. There's a link in the show notes with everything that they uh, came out with this month from all the different product managers. But the first one is with products and quotes. So small thing, but very uh, big for people that are using the product library and have a lot of products. You can now organize your product library into folders.
1: Yay. Yay. it's I this love folders. Year,
0: this year is the year of folders. Yay! Um, but what's probably more exciting and even cooler, I think, is you can now also add one-off products to quotes that aren't in your product library. So you may have a standard nice. set of products that you're, you know, using all of the time, but you also do like custom packages or whatever. Now you can just go into when you're uh, in a deal, you can go to add product. You can type in a totally new product with a description and a price and it's not going to add it to your product library. It's just going to add it onto that deal and into that quote that you're creating. Um, On top of that with quotes, you can now input fees, discounts or taxes as percentages up until this point. You had to basically calculate the total discount. So you had to manually basically take the percentage that you were given Are giving and now you have the option to have it be you know the total amount or a percentage for whatever you're discounting or adding nice this is great so I'm I'm happy to see some updates coming to the products tool because I know there's a lot of people not using them um, because of some of those limitations so that takes a couple of those things away something that you've probably seen if you're using website pages landing pages and or blog posts is there's now a combined dashboard um, or view page for each of these. So if you go to any of those like page types in your portal, you're now gonna see they all live on one page and there's just tabs to toggle between each. And then if you go to create a page, you can select which type
1: of page. Yeah, it's so much easier to navigate and find the stuff
0: you're looking for.
1: I mean, on-page tabs beats three step drop downs any day but also the tabs are just real nice i i first saw it i was like oh you can just click right here amazing yeah um i yeah
0: it's like one of those little things that it's like not that huge of a change but you're like yeah yeah it mattered to me (laughs) yeah exactly exactly And one that just went live November 1st, which we knew was coming, but is indeed live, um, is landing pages are now available in Marketing Hub Starter. So if you're on Starter, this is a big deal. That's a big deal. Yeah. This is a big deal. If you're not on Starter, you're probably like, whatever. But (laughs) here's why you should care if you're not on Starter. There is a new drag and drop editor that they just released with this update. You're not going to have it yet (laughs) if you're on Pro or Enterprise. Oh, of course. Of course. Um, I think it's this is basically exactly how they rolled out the email drag and drop. Yeah. So they rolled it out to starter and I think it was essentially their kind of active beta of collecting all of this data and information, knowing that the pro and enterprise users are going to be much more intense and picky. Yeah. I mean, the people getting it for less money are always a
1: little more forgiving.
0: Exactly. And who are like just starting. Yeah. They're not um,
1: as used to everything.
0: Exactly. So I am trying to get more information on when the drag and drop landing page editor will go live in portals. Um, but I'm super excited about that because there's a lot of people that use HubSpot in such a way where they, they basically don't have access to developers. Mm-hmm. And so the default and even the marketplace templates a lot of times are really difficult to work with if you don't have a developer that can go in and change styles and code and all of that good stuff. So having this available on the landing page side, I think especially for people that are just getting started, are going to make it so much easier um, for them to actually start like building out real assets rather than just creating HubSpot forms and embedding them on other pages.
1: Absolutely. I'm stoked about it. That's a really good one.
0: Yeah. This is like, oh, the last two episodes, (laughs) there's just been so much juicy stuff. I can't believe it. I love it. I love it too. What I also love is our sponsors. If you're interested in sponsoring the Hubcast, if you know of any really cool products or tools um, that you think our listeners, other listeners we should know about, we want to know, there's a link to uh, advertise with impact in the show notes. There's also a link, as I mentioned, to join the HubSpot user Slack. And uh, you can hang out with us. There's always good stuff going on in there. And all of the product updates, as soon as they come out in the feed, they go straight there. So you get like the first possible access to all of that stuff. Yes. Whew, Steph. It's a beast of an episode. This was a beast. Like last week, I felt like I was out of breath afterwards. (laughs) This week, I feel like I'm out of breath afterwards. Like really good stuff. Good stuff. Thanks for having me. Yeah. We always love having you on. Happy Halloween to all of our friends. And until next time, this is Karina Duffy and Stephanie Bioki saying to you, get out there and get after it.